Hey friends, thanks so much for uh, tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Look, today I'm really excited to share with you a chat that I had uh, with a good friend uh, and also uh, a newly graduated uh, Perth guy by the name of Ben Davidson Petch. He did ATAR in year 11 and 12 uh, and he was fortunate uh, I say fortunate, it was actually a, a lot of bloody hard work, uh, but he received the highest ATAR you can get in the state. And what's really interesting about that is not necessarily the score, but actually his philosophy, his thinking about how he got that score and maybe how you can head in that direction as well. And here's a hint, it involves getting really curious. If you're just about to head into exams now or in the future, or if you're just interested about what it's like to be in year 11 and 12, this is a really interesting chat. And I think towards the end, you're going to get some real value from his tips on what to do on exam day and the weeks before. This is my chat with Ben about his year 11 and 12 experience, as well as what's next. I'm Kai Lovell. This is How To Be Curious. My name is Ben Davison Patch. Um, I graduated last year. Um, I did ATAR, and um, at the moment I am uh, in between high school and uni. So uni is going to start in like October, September uh, in the UK. Um, so I'm going international. Lucky me. Um, despite <laughs> all this COVID stuff, which is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the meantime, Where are you studying? I'm, uh, uh, Cambridge. What are you doing there? Uh, natural sciences. So like physics, basically, just physics. I mean, that that in itself is is very exciting, isn't it? Um, I remember last time you and I caught up, uh, I think we were in a car park uh, <laughs> um, of a shopping center and, and you were telling me about it. And it was, uh, it was sort of, I think at that point it was just confirmed. Um, but I just, I just remember, you know, how exciting you you sort of found the whole thing you know, like it's it's incredible you know being able to study at cambridge and um glad to hear that this whole thing at the moment is not going to affect those plans too much oh i can only hope but yeah yeah fingers crossed um so so i guess that is that is that is sort of future right that is, that is sitting just around the corner um but but like anything that that sort of involves uh, a few steps in the right direction uh, in the past um, and I know, you know, you're the type of person very much like me, actually, that, that likes to look forward because that's, that's what we have the control over. That's where the exciting stuff is happening. Uh, but I think today, especially for young people who are jumping into exams, they might've just had them or more than likely are, are just about to have them, um, year 11 and 12 students, ATAR students, um, who, are, who probably have this on their mind, you know, where am I going to go? You know, maybe they have aspirations to go to Harvard or Cambridge um, or maybe they have a completely different direction. Um, but actually, I actually want to ask you, how much do you remember about your first, I want to say day, how, how, much, how much do you remember of your first week of year seven, Ben? Oh, um, I remember... Uh, there's a system at the school I was at called Peer Support Leaders. And so year 11s, there's a year 11 in each like 
tutorial, which is like homeroom type thing. And all the homerooms have like year sevens to 12s. And so there's one year 11 who takes care of the year sevens in their mm-hmm. homeroom. And basically yeah. all I remember is that guy telling me um, just like stay close to the lockers because sometimes people throw food over and you don't want to get hit in the face with like a banana peel. And that stuck with you. That's it. That's like a, that's, that's the most vivid memory from year seven. Being told. Did, <laughs> did you ever get hit by a banana peel? No. No, because I stuck close to the longer block. So it worked. Yeah, it worked. It worked in dream. It worked. I mean, to be fair, after a year, I got moved. My lock was moved to a much nicer place. But like, Right. Well, that's good more. to hear. <laughs> you, you, you spent a year of, um, of nail-biting banana peel threat. Um, mm. Did you then, when you were in year 11, did you have a similar role? Or Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was a peer support leader as well for the year sevens in my tutorial. And it's really weird because yeah. like, I you tell them to not like get hit by banana peels. Oh, they were like, we were lucky at that point. We all had lockers that weren't in that area. And so there oh, was, no, there was no food throwing there, but it's, <laughs> it's really weird. Like thinking about how I looked at, when I was year seven, I looked at year 11. I was like, that is an adult. That's an adult man. That is a grown, yeah. grown man. And he knows what they've, he's they've doing. Done it. He knows everything he says is correct. And then I'm in year <laughs> 11 and I look at my sevens and my year sevens are like not listening to me. And being cheeky, and I'm like, what? What's going on? There's no way that they see me in the same way that I saw the year 11. Tell me, how, like, what, how would you define yourself or describe yourself as a student in year seven, eight, and nine? If I, if I was at your school and <laughs> someone asked me about you in the first three years of high school, what would be the first few things that would come to mind? Kai, I think you wouldn't have been able to stand me when I was in year seven, eight, nine. You're, you're suggesting that I can stand you now. but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, like you met me when I was, what, like year, year 11? And that yeah. was just when I was starting to, like, have social skills. <laughs> like, year seven, eight, I just... I mean, look, it was an interesting time for me because, you know, I was I was going through some things. I had moved. I was at a new school. Like, you know, ADHD was, you know, a, a thing and kind of, well, I wouldn't say a problem, but, you know, and like it, it I was still kind of coming to my own as a person and it was like a very interesting experience. And not a lot of people thought that I was normal. In fact, I think no, no one thought I was normal. But like, you know, that's that's kind of just, you know, that's what I was like. And I, you know, grew and 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 tried to get better and stuff. Did you think you were normal? Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't think. Uh, not really. Nah, not really. Because, mm. like, you know, I play video games and do all this stuff. And I found out later that actually the people who used to like tease me for playing video games also played the same games at the same time. Just didn't, just didn't like openly admit it, which, <laughs> which I think is quite funny now. Um, but you're probably time, better at it than them. Huh? You're probably better at it than them. Oh yeah. I'm much better. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, dude, if you challenge me at a Minecraft building competition, you're getting smoked. I wouldn't even dare. That's like, <laughs> that is, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like even for me, like year six, seven, eight, um, if I'm being honest, was even year nine was a very different time for me to like year 10, 11, 12, 
um, from an academic standpoint, but also from like a, a social standpoint as well. Um, because because I went from being, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a teacher's pet, um, but I, I would be bordering on it for most of those first few years. Um, yeah, I was, I was very much teacher's person. I would always, I wouldn't stick my head out, you know. I, I would just, I would just stay close to to what I what I was good at and what I, what I was doing, um, and what I found is that as I went on, um, the academics became less of a priority, mainly because I found more clarity in where I really wanted to go. Like I, I don't know about you, but I think in in year seven and eight, you're just like, oh, well, I, I just, I mean, you do good at anything because that's just what you do. That's what we do in year seven and eight, but in year eleven. If you're not, and this is this probably doesn't apply to you, but if you're not anticipating or curious about a path involving mathematics or science five years down the track, well, you're probably going to be less motivated to do well in maths and science. How did, like, how did you find yourself uh, maybe changing or not changing as you went into the older years? Like, like, what did that look like for you? I mean, like, in terms of an academics perspective, it was less about like, you know, putting a focus on academics. My focus was always academics. And that was probably part of the problem was that I, you know, like I, I held it at such high stead that mm. I just, I couldn't, you know, be like mm. normal socially. So the problem was never that. The difference was that instead of kind of sitting and doing my own thing and being like, no, I'm not going to help you. I need to beat you. <laughs> you know, I like realized that, oh, I can actually just, I can be a good bloke and then also do well in my own time. Like I don't have to, you know, I don't have to act in that way just because I, you know, want to do well academically. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. The concept of, you know, I mean, I, to me, the way I, the way I saw it is in, you know, in those first three years and probably in primary school as well, you did well to keep the teachers happy. You, you did well to keep your parents happy. You did well, uh, to keep just other people happy. Um, and I think in, in, in those older years, you start to do things that are actually going to make you happy as well as, like I'm not saying you just lose all interest in, you know, doing those things uh, in the interest of other people. But I think certainly for me, I became a little bit more selective about what I was doing based on how whether it really, really served me. Um, mm. but oh, you said, you said that when you sort of started year seven, um, you know, the only thing you can really remember is some advice from a year 11 at that point, were you thinking about what you wanted to do when you graduated? Oh, Did you have any idea? I, you, you, I mean, look, the, I've been quite lucky in that I have for quite a long time have quite like, I've had quite a singular vision of what I wanted to do. I mean, like you okay. can kind of, you could spin it to like, it could be my detriment because I may have like discarded entire career pathways very early on, but <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But like, you know, so, so for context, right. When I was in like year five, um, I was just like massively into computers. Right. And like, I think it was like year five, I made the decision. I am going to go to university for computer science. And I had heard that there was this university in England that was very fancy called Cambridge, the University of Cambridge, England, and that my mother had gone there and that a bunch of my grandparents had gone there. And I was like, you know what? 
there. I'm going to go do computer science at Cambridge. And, you know, and I like, I poured so much time and effort into doing computer science and that kind of like STEM based stuff because I loved it. Mm. I really loved it. And I mean, like, and that was, you know, that was 2012. How was yeah. I mean, if you think about how much has changed in that area, even since then, you know, to have that sort of passion, that curiosity, um, and and sort of that that sort of set determined. This is the end point, as well as just today, what I'm interested in. That's really interesting. Mm. And I mean, like, I be- I realized at like the start of year twelve, like computer science actually is a field doesn't look as interesting to study as physics. And so I was just like, okay, I'll just change for physics. Luckily for me, <laughs> they're very similar disciplines, and so the groundwork that I put in computer science was basically the same as the groundwork I would transferable. Do in physics. So mm-hmm. it was really transferable. And so I've been lucky like that. But if I suddenly decided, hey, you know what? Actually doing a degree in literature sounds really fun, I would have just been slammed. Um mm. uh, but I mean I probably wouldn't have chosen that because literature was never <laughs> I never really enjoyed it. Um <laughs> but you know I and I mean it's interesting that you mentioned that you know you said that you started off doing it for the benefit of others mm-hmm. and i think that it's like it's a really individualized thing right because you might think that you know like most people do it to please parents or something but like in my in my experience the people who end up in year 12 just really gunning for like a specific subject mm-hmm. Um, and like really like stressing themselves out over that subject quite often, they're not the only people putting pressure on themselves to go for that subject. Like it still happens yeah. in year 12 that people decide or not people decide people are told by their parents, Hey, you should go and do like medicine or something, or they, or they pick medicine, but not because they want to do medicine because they think that medicine would prove that they are smart or something because medicine is like the hardest field to get into. And so they go, okay, I'm going to do medicine for the sake of just doing something that's difficult. Yeah. Or, you know, proving that they can do something that's difficult. And then they go in and actually being a doctor is very different to what you think it's going to be like. And so the rate of like job satisfaction in junior doctors is so incredibly low. And it's the same in law because people look at like law, this law degree is like on this just pedestal of like if you go and do a law degree you have to be like you know incredibly intelligent and so these kids well i mean i'm not kids i'm i suppose like teenage and young adults think you know what i want to do that i want to be like the top echelon and they go into a law degree and then they realize they have to just sit there doing paperwork all day and (laughs) like it's not fun i mean some people genuinely like the subject and so some some people are like i want to help people i want to go be a doctor good reason um you know i want to help people i want to be a lawyer okay also good reason i want to make money i want to be a lawyer not a great reason but it's slightly it's slightly better than just going i want to do it so that i can like flex my academic ability yeah and so and then you also have the opposite like you have kids like me who are in year seven eight nine and are like damn this maths is fun you know you know what I think it is? I think you have a really uh, a really great appreciation for the process and a really great appreciation for the skills. Thank you, Kai. And the methodology and the thinking. Well, in comparison to um, like thinking about it as a role or a job, 
I think you think about it as a set of skills or understandings, um, which is which is actually really interesting because in the past, you know, I've I've been interested, curious about business, uh, you know, about media, and I've when I've been interested in those areas, I've attached ta- I've attached that to a job. I've gone, okay, that means that's entrepreneurship for the rest of my life, or that's going to be journalism. You know, that, that's, that's what it is. Um, but I've actually pivoted that thinking recently. Um, and, and I, I see it more so as a collection of skills, a collection of um, skill sets that can actually morph together into some new field that might not even be out there yet. Um, and I think that is also very similar to here. The people that just follow the the, the law degree or the engineering degree or the, the medicine degree for the job, for what that job will supposedly give them as opposed to a real joy enjoyment of, you know, the processes involved with that job. I think that's where the issues lie and I think that's where you've really nailed it. Um, actually really seeing what part of it you truly value, what you truly are interested in. Yeah. I mean, you, you really have to love the craft. I mean, you really have to love the craft, right? Because mm. if you want to go do something for the rest of your life, you shouldn't look at it thinking, oh, I can make money doing this or, you know, because you can make money doing any job, like any field. It, you know, you want to go and do retail and just work your way up the management chain. Like, you don't, you don't need a degree to do that. I mean, you might need to go and do management qualifications or something, but you don't, you don't just pick a degree and then do it. Yeah. For the sake of, of getting the job so that you can make money, because there's a way of making money off of everything. It's about picking something and thinking, oh, I actually enjoy the craft of this. Like I enjoy the process. And I think that either what I'm doing is really interesting, what I'm learning is really interesting. Cause I mean, like I I <laughs> would you like to know what is at the top of the list of job prospects for a physics degree? Tell me. Uh, high school physics teacher. The top. Prospect. That's the top. That's the number one. Number one prospect. High school physics teacher. Which which is kind of kind of a bit trippy because you've you've learnt physics in school to go to uni to then teach physics in school. Oh, I mean, I don't I don't particularly want to be a high school physics teacher, but like sure the the my thinking is you know like when was the last time in like the modern era that you saw someone that wasn't like an engineer, doctor or lawyer doing a job that is directly related to the degree that they did as an undergraduate. Mm. It splits 90% of the time, doesn't it? It goes in different directions. Yeah. I mean, cause it doesn't. And I mean, um, this wasn't even like a, this isn't even like a new thing, right? I mean, my, um, I mentioned my mother, um, who was, he's a Cambridge, alumni um many years ago and in of, of her cohort um every single person well not every single but you know like 99 percent of her cohort majority that weren't doing medicine or law no matter what they were doing like english degree philosophy degree fine arts whatever all ended up as merchant bankers all of them really all of them because Going to university, if you go to to a, a university that like subscribes to a, a solid mindset in terms of like you know how they structure their degrees, you're not there 
to learn about, you know, just, you're not there to learn about, you know, astrophysics, astro, astrophysics, astrophysics. <laughs> you're not there to learn about, you know, like the quantum model. I'm not there to learn about the, the, the biography, the entire biography of, you know, uh, some influential historical leader. I'm there to learn how to learn. And that's why research is such a big thing at universities. They're, they're preparing you to be able to, to stay at the university and do research because that's what they want as a university. That's how they make most of their money is research. It's, it's like, it's like the, the concepts of critical thinking of, of all those types of things. That's what you're really picking up. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, I mean, you do need the foundational basics of, you know, like if, if I want to go do research in physics, I can't go in having just done high school physics, right? But, you know, they want university, I mean, the really top end universities want to equip the students not to just be able to get employed in the area they're doing the degree in. They just want their students to get employed in a way that like the students going to be happy and that the students can be able to like get whatever they want out of their degree. I think so many people, that's why they jump into arts degrees, because you know, 90% of the time you don't come out an artist. Um, you, you know, you, you might jump into, you know, marketing or finance or management and it, it's, it's almost just a development of, in, you know, personal skills rather than uh, knowledge in, in, in some deep sort of level. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the way it, um, that's the way it works at um, a bunch of UK universities. Um, so, like Cambridge, it doesn't you, – you could go and do a degree – in like, you could do a degree in anything. They're going to give you a Bachelor of Arts. And then they're just going to say like, and then they they actually did science or whatever. Yes. <laughs> they actually did, you know, literature, but we gave them a Bachelor. Because it's, I mean, it's a traditional thing. It's very funny, isn't it? Yeah. We've, we've talked about sort of the year seven, the year eight, year nine, what you were like, what you were curious about, um, and, and almost how that sort of shifted in year 11 and 12. You said you were doing ATAR. Mm-hmm. How did you find that? What were oh. those last two years of high school, what were they like for you? Like, Oh, oh just glorious. I mean, the con- – I mean, okay. <laughs> Here's – okay. Look, I, a lot of people really do not enjoy the last two years of high school right and Mm -hmm. uh, like i have this really special weird possibly savant um attraction (laughs) to like maths and science and just like you know just complicated things right and so when i'm doing subjects like you know specialist and methods i don't do it in order to get a high ATAR. i do it because i genuinely love the maths the craft the process and so when you when I when I genuinely when I go into a maths exam genuinely loving the maths, I don't walk out going, oh my god, I wonder if I did well or not. Oh my god, I have no idea. I walk out going, damn, that exam was was really good and it had some really fantastic questions. And I really big props to the guy who wrote that exam because that was really interesting and fun. Question twenty three, like that was a masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, gen- I mean, I, I'm I, and I'm tutoring now, and every now and then uh, a student will send me a question that's like difficult right 
yeah. and you know they look at it as like oh my god i can't do it i'm, I'm gonna fail the test i look at it i'm like this is fucking incredible like i i genuinely <laughs> love seeing questions that i like you know like the other day i saw one and it's like you know it's part of the 3d vectors topic and it's basically just a really weird way of describing a sphere and i thought damn this is cool i hadn't thought about this the guy who wrote this exam must have been really creative and that's you can't you can't buy that in a uni degree. No, no. no. I mean, it's it's not. It's also not something you can really learn. I feel like like you can, if you. I mean, you can learn it to an extent, but if you're not, you know, I, I feel like the there's kind of a predisposition to just loving theoretical stuff, you know, just for the sake of it. Um, because I've seen, you know, cause there are families that, you know, don't believe in university and just are like practical skills only. And then there are families where it's just full of academics and they, you know, they just love the, the theory. They love the craft. But if you can go into year 11, year 12 and pick subjects that you think I actually really enjoy the process it's not a t- it's not a chore anymore you know and i mean it is to an extent because you have to you have to study hard and that can get repetitive and tiring and frustrating but if you if you can spend you know at least part of your time actually admiring the subject for what it is and how cool it is instead of you know thinking oh my god i have to do this I had to do this in an exam. Oh my God. It, it actually just, it makes it easier and it makes it far less stressful because it, it also encourages you to go and read ahead. And I mean, if, I mean, if the topic here is curiosity, it like, that's what we're talking about is actually being curious about a subject reading ahead. And, you know, like if you're in year 12 thinking, you know what, I love this. I'm going to go do uni content. That's going to help you out. And it's going to help you out even more if you're in year 11 and going, damn, this content's really cool. But the year 11 content, I mean, come on, I've already done it. I did it in year 10 when I was reading ahead. I'm going to read ahead for year 12. Well, then you're learning your 12 content in year 11. You get to year 12, you've already heard it before. You know, you can either cruise through or you can say, actually, I'm going to work hard and move ahead. I found myself very motivated by my year 12 English teacher as opposed to my year 11 English teacher because my year 12 English teacher actually made me interested in the process and he said like i i remember the the, one of the first things he said in the year was don't just read a question in english and then write your thesis as like this question again but with some words resubstituted and then just repeat yourself the whole time because that's boring but of course that's what i had been taught in year 11 and year 10 because that's how you teach kids to answer the question and he he said actually just do something interesting like have a think about the text and how it like actually functions in the real world, because you're not just reading it for the sake of reading it. Right. You're like, it's not like this English class is the only people who have ever read it. This was, this wasn't written for year 12s to write essays about. There's actually a more complicated process here. And I can actually look at this in a bit more depth instead of just going society, bad white people, bad, (laughs) you know, so yeah, and just saying that over and over again in each body paragraph, I could actually say something 
that was interesting and nuanced and had like genuine meaning to the to the the, the broader world. And that was when my mark in English went up like twenty percent. Uh, like I mean, it's not a hundred percent a mindset shift because it's also like that teacher he understood me a lot better and so when he was marking he would understand that like you know if i'm writing an essay and i have a bunch of setup in the introduction i'm gonna get to answering the question but you know like there was an externally marked um assessment towards the end of the year and it was one of those markers where they kind of just read the first three sentences and then they assign you your mark and of course because i was doing a lot of setup work because i was trying to do this complicated thesis um they read the first three sentences said they haven't got this kid hasn't got to addressing the question yet and just like slammed me and gave me my worst mark of the year. I gave it to my English teacher and he said, this is the best essay you've written. So, I mean, here's the thing about actual like ATAR scores as a number. Like if you're going into direct entrance for university, um, now other than alternate pathways, um, which are a, a little more involved, but I've been told that they're actually not that difficult. The ATAR is what gets you into university. And so if, if let's say that you're a high achieving student and you want to go overseas now, Overseas universities don't know much about the ATAR system, but they know that they would want to take a top whatever percentile. So they can look at the ATAR score and say, okay, cool, he's in our top percentile, we'll take him or her or them. And um, and so while it's pretty important to get into university, once you're in university, you're in like no one cares unless of course you want to go and do high school tutoring and have to plaster it all over your advertising campaigns. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, no one actually, because once, once you have an offer, you have an offer. Um, but, but then, you know, you can fall into the trap of being like, okay, well, cool. No one's going to care about my ATAR after I get into university so either I'm not going to try very hard in ATAR or I'm just going to pretend like what I do in ATAR doesn't need to have any direct relation to my degree. It doesn't, you know, I don't need to like excel during it because it's going to be like a forgotten period of my life once I get into university. It, it's not just like a forgotten period of time of your life. As much as the actual number itself is forgotten, the skills that you learn in year 11, 12 definitely are not. And they're going to help you big time when you end up at university. And so if you pick, if you pick a bunch of subjects because you think they're going to be easy or because you think they're going to scale well, and then you despise them, end up not paying attention, don't learn much and maybe like scrape the pass, maybe get just above the ATAR barrier for entry to the course that you want. Cool. You got into your course, you had a miserable time for two years and you didn't learn anything that was very helpful. Yeah. So what was the point? And I think it, it's it is very individual, isn't it? But yeah, there's a there's a great case for choosing things that that really genuinely excite you that you love the process for. Yeah, Ben, you graduated end of last year. Uh, you got the highest ATAR you can get. You got a subject exhibition uh, and multiple certificates of excellence. 
Um, I don't think anyone's questioning your abilities in, in year 11 and 12. Um, but we also saw that you also have some very formed views on the path of ATAR. Uh, and, and I think that that is the really interesting part. But for people that this week or a year down the track uh, are facing exams, maybe they are doing things they're really curious about, that they're really engaged in, they're reading ahead on, or maybe they chose something that they don't necessarily love as much. Uh, when they're sitting in that exam room, probably very, very nervous, uh, as I will be <laughs> next week, um, <laughs> what are what are the, the handful of, of tips, little, little secrets, you know, breakfast guides, you know, evening before preparation tips? What are some of the golden nuggets that helped you through those two years of exams that other people might find helpful? I mean- First of all, don't rely on the evening before preparation tips. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, try and get ahead of it. Um, for me personally, it was past exams. Like I just did like past exam, past exam, past exam. And I had like a, a, a schedule and I would try and do as many as I could fit in um, leading up to exams. But only as much as is reasonable, right? Like don't, don't spend hours toiling over something you already know how to do because you're just wasting time and you can go and do something else. Or even like, if you feel like, oh, I've studied as much as I need to, and I feel like I'm good enough, just go and relax. Don't work yourself up thinking, oh, maybe what if I'm not prepared? What if I'm not prepared? Because if you feel like you are prepared, you're not going to actually prepare yourself anymore. Um, so that's like tip one, I guess, is get ahead of it. And, you know, like, focus on the stuff you actually can't do. And don't do so much that you burn yourself out. Number two, for some reason, for some reason, sleep is like just not on the table for like most high school students. And I get that like a lot of people have like very busy schedules and, you know, like they're up studying this and that. that. But like I had such an enormous problem with being tired in class up until like halfway through year 11. Like we're talking, I would fall asleep in class like almost every day. I'd be sitting at the front just like, you know, and just like, you know, the thing where you kind of close your eyes and you come back. And just jumping really, in and out of it. I was just doing that. And it was, it was awful. And I hate it. I cannot stand the feeling of being tired. And I was, I was getting like, what, like seven hours of sleep a night. And I know for most, for, for a lot of people, that might be enough. But for me, I was like, okay, this isn't working. Clearly I, I need more sleep. And so I started doing like nine hours a night. And as soon as I did nine hours a night, I woke up awake. I felt more active. I felt like I could do more. Yeah, like sleep is just so, so important. I know that everyone says that it's important. And a lot of people at this point just kind of roll their eyes. But uh, seriously, it's just, uh, it's such a godsend. And what's interesting, it's it's individual, right? As you said, like seven hours might work for someone else, nine hours might work for you. I think it's just listening to your body. Like, yeah. are you actually feeling tired, you yeah. know? Yeah, 100%. Tip number three is just because someone else is doing something or just because everyone else is doing something doesn't mean that you have to do it. Um, so I said, you know, earlier, I did tons of past exams. If past exams don't help you learn, don't do past exams just because I said that I do past exams. Don't go and study in a library because all of your friends say that they can only concentrate in a library if you go to a library and then are only distracted. You know? Mm. Like, it, 
you know, have your own study space, whether that is a library because you can do libraries or whether you're like me and you want to sit in absolute silence for like seven hours in your living room. I can imagine that. I can actually, I can visualize you sitting in your living room, like almost Zen, just doing maths and science. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't quite silence because every now and then I'd just be like, I'd exclaim, I'd exclaim audibly. Um, and I had a paper, um, or I'd be like pacing around the dining room table, um, trying to memorize quotes. Great. Um, but yeah, like just, you know, at the stage where you are in like year 11, year 12, at this, at that, are you like at your point, you probably have a pretty decent idea of how you work best. So don't focus on changing it. If it works, like if you feel like you're doing something and you're not learning optimally, figure out what it is that you can do to make you learn optimally. It doesn't matter if it's the absolute opposite to what everyone else is doing and to what all the advice is. Because it's so individual, you can never look at uh, a table of advice and say, okay, this, this person says highlight everything and this person says make notes and summarize notes. I've never learned by making a table of notes, not once. And so I didn't do it. Well, look, Ben, it's uh, it's been a bit of a longer episode than we usually have on here, but I, I think it's it's completely worth it because all we've chatted about is not only a bit of your story, your sort of academic experience, but some of the exciting stuff that, that is ahead for you um, and, and also uh, what other people in your position and in similar positions can do uh, to get a little bit more curious and a little bit more proactive and engaged about their year 11 and 12 experience. Um, and, and obviously watch your back for flying bananas near the lockers. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. It's been a pleasure to chat as always. Oh, thank you for having me. You've been listening to How To Be Curious, produced in Perth, Western Australia. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.